Welcome to another episode of Rooted and Reaching, a podcast about startups and entrepreneurs in the South Bend Elkhart region of Indiana. My name is Bethany Hartley. And I'm Nick Kuhn. Today, I'll be speaking with Ray Fraser of VitalView, and he'll be sharing about a medical technology that helps visualize patients' data to prevent hospital visits. We hope you enjoy. All right. Well, welcome to the Rooted and Reaching podcast, Ray. Thanks for being here so much. Thanks for having me, Nick. Yeah. So we got to know each other uh, probably a couple of years ago at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And gone through some hurdles, some learning together. Mm-hmm. And uh, we share space on some committees here in South Bend as well. Yep. Um, so I'm really excited to explore a little bit deeper about how your role in VitalView is forming, uh, how it started and where it's going. But first, would love to start uh, way back when. And uh, how it is that you became to be the entrepreneur you are today. So tell me a little bit about your background, uh, where you grew up, where you're from, yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Definitely. So originally, I am from Hartford, Connecticut, and I think the entrepreneurial bug started when I was nine years old um, with my dad. I was a huge fan of Star Wars action figures, and one day my dad just comes in and he tells me, "This is the last toy I'm ever going to buy you." If you're going to want toys in the future, you're going to have to buy them yourself. At nine? At nine years old. Okay. (laughs) So um, on the weekends, we'd go down to the local farmer's market. And when I went down there, um, I got a job while working for, it was called Northeast Produce. So um, on my little interview, I told the owner that I could sweep my room at home really good. Okay. So... um, The deal was that if I'd come down on Saturday mornings with my parents, I'd get 50 cents to sweep his floor. And it's amazing because over the years, he really took me under his wing and taught me every asset of the business from customer service to operations to to sales. And it really kind of like set the foundation at that point. And you know what? Never had to ask my dad to buy a toy again. Dude, you did it from your uh, on your own from there on. Yep. Still in the Star Wars continuum? Oh, yes. Yeah, still okay. with the Star Wars continuum. So did you continue in produce or on, on the uh, food industries? Or was that just kind of a learning curve to get you somewhere else? Learning curve to, okay. to, to get me somewhere else. Um, I loved produce. Uh, I think what I liked a lot more was supply chains, mm. operations, and... As I grew older, became a huge fan of technology as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how did what did that was middle formative years look like? Nine mm-hmm. years old, you're still pretty young. Fifty yep. cents isn't going to get you a car, yeah. or or you know take your girlfriend out to dinner. Yeah. So, what did uh, your entrepreneurial arc look like? Uh, maybe in high school, early college, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, by the time I get to college, I end up going to the University of Richmond, mm-hmm. and I where I double in finance and marketing. And I would say the entrepreneurial, where I started to get involved in a startups was in my senior year. A couple of friends, the classic, um, me and my roommate, and two kids out of the computer science department, you know, got together and we were kind of tired of the way um, registration was. Mm -hmm. And the fact of having to wake up at 5, 6 a.m. to register for classes Mm -hmm. So we figured, hey, can we build a software business around automating registration? So so this was the first chance I got to put together a startup, put together a founding team and see how, see if we could build something that could, you know, have some impact. Did you work with the University of Richmond on this venture? Yeah. 
Yeah. And what what was the receptivity from their side? So one of the things that we found, it was really about building the relationship mm-hmm. along the way instead of going in and saying, hey, here's our idea. Please buy it. We made sure to make them a partner in the beginning. At first, they were like, uh, they were kind of like hands off. But as we kept coming back, kept asking for their feedback as well, wanting their input, actively listening, we found that they were an awesome partner to pilot with. I would love to dive a little bit deeper on this because this is a, uh, no pun intended, vital component of entrepreneurship and uh, is the resilience around being told no and then taking that, the first no or the first maybe or being ghosted uh, as someone's not interested, because that's not necessarily the case. Right. But this relationship is enormous. It's, it's huge. It's it's very important. Were you just persistent about it? Would you add value to them in other ways? Did you learn about the structure of you know the university politics and who the players are? How did you really build that relationship specifically? Yeah, definitely. It was really about listening to where they saw registration going. Mm-hmm. For them, Automating registration wasn't necessarily the the kicker in their eyes because they're not having to necessarily wake up at 5 a.m. Because that's the student issue. For them, it was wanting analytics mm-hmm. on what kind of courses students wanted. By understanding course demand, they would be able to better uh, understand their hiring plans or the course availability. Mm-hmm. So making sure that if they were going to be understanding who the true customer was and understanding what was important to them and why, that allowed us to have a lot more traction, we found. That's really cool. So how did this business pan out? Did you get some customers outside the university? Did you bring it to market? Yeah, so we didn't end up bringing it to market. One of the, I would say in terms of our successes there, we were able to get a few pilot schools on board but we learned the classic lesson of understanding your product development roadmap mm. and then understanding when you should start reaching out to investors. I think that I was able, we, we thought that we would be able to potentially, you know, just raise the money on our own just by putting in $5 here, $5 there, and just simply bootstrapping. I would say one of the key lessons was understanding uh, if, if I could take it back and if I'd have known then what I know now, understand what that product roadmap is to get the product that um, the school would love and that students would love and make sure if it's raising it amongst a few rounds in terms of milestones, figuring that all out instead of thinking, hey, I could potentially do it all on my own. Got it. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, a good time in your life to try something. Oh, yeah. Learned a lot. I mean, yep. you're going to learn so much in the classroom, but you're going to learn a ton when you actually put your skin in the game and try to figure out how to make some money, and uh, especially on the on the tech side of things. Oh, definitely, yeah. because there's so much that uh, until you're actually out there doing it, you're at that point you're really getting the intangibles that you really don't get in the classroom. You mentioned about I would say feedback is is one. Uh, no customer or stakeholder is ever going to have unlimited amounts of time to provide you the feedback in the exact way that you are looking for it. Typically, it's going to be 30 seconds here, a flash in an email. And 
but it's going to be your job to figure out patterns, talking to a bunch of different people to mm-hmm. figure out, okay, what should I really be doing here? You know, because at the end of the day, you know your business better than anybody. Especially in the Midwest. We like to be nice around here. Oh, yeah. No one likes to say no yep. or be truly honest. And so to parse out what's between the lines a little bit. Is yeah. That what you're saying? Yeah. Good advice. I like it. So uh, college, uh, an attempt. And then where'd you go from there? Yeah. So I would say between, if I were to look at my time at, at that point until I come to Notre Dame in 2017, I basically spent time working at a few different startups. Mm-hmm. So from healthcare to consumer packaging to actual, I would say, food and beverage, mm-hmm. I was able to get different experiences on different founding teams to understand, okay, what works? what doesn't work, and I would say help kind of like build that career. You could probably say a little bit of a serial entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of different markets, mm-hmm. probably different types of roles. Uh, different types of roles, was yeah. There, was there some commonalities in those roles or themes in, in the positions that you played at those startups? Yeah, definitely. So I was always typically on the product side, mm-hmm. the, the product management side, or on the operation side. Any fun stories from that era? I would I would say what brings me a lot of joy is the great people that I got to meet at each one of them. I would say from the team members to the vendor partners or the customers and the, the brainstorming we had, the milestones that we hit along the way. And I would say one of the key areas that I always try to focus on is okay, can I have some impact? I remember like our step, the second startup that I worked on with another group of friends was called Tree Sleeve. So what we wanted to do was sustainable packaging mm-hmm. for the food and beverage industry. And what we would do is that for each um, of these renewable, like say coffee sleeves that we sold, we'd plant a tree in a deforested part of the world. Mm-hmm. And so I really um, gravitate towards trying to have impact and everything that you know, I tried to touch. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. So, uh, as you alluded to, 2017, uh, South Bend and Notre Dame came yeah. on came onto your radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about that transition. Yeah. So, I think it was a transition at a point where I knew that I wanted to take my career to, like, say, another level. I had been in a few startups at this point. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go directly into like say another startup or if I wanted to let's say go into consulting or if I could get into the other side of the table because I always wanted to understand what venture capital was Mm -hmm. like. So I felt that coming to Notre Dame would give me a great opportunity in terms of from a network to build from but also um, just like even learning for two years instead of going hard, hard, hard mm-hmm. the entire time. So what did that role look like? I ended up, when I came to the university, I started working as an analyst at the university's idea center. And it gave me a lot of experience in terms of doing due diligence on a market opportunities from the venture, venture point of view, if you would. Whenever I had done uh, market research, I was always thinking about it from the co-founder startup role. But now thinking of it with an investor hat on, 
it gave me a different perspective, which was kind of cool. And you mentioned the word consulting. You weren't a consultant, but in a way you get that vantage point of seeing multiple different opportunities without really being impacted personally by them. Yep. And you have a different framework in which to analyze in this point or consider uh, these opportunities. I, I, I agree. I think that's an interesting perspective. And I would encourage uh, potential entrepreneurs, you may as well, to look, to look at some form of role in which you're able to get a broad reach yes. uh, that's not as deep as a traditional role. Oh, 100%. I think like one of the things that it also provides you is a lot of empathy mm-hmm. because it can be it can be very easy that, let's say, if you're on the more product side, for you to get really attached to whether it's the technology or you're working on or the enclosure design. But then if you're understanding finances perspective or or marketing's perspective in terms of certain features they need to highlight or even your customer those are all so important to i would say bringing not just like a product that everyone is going to love but also that you guys a culture mm. and that you're working lockstep together yeah I like that. So this, I'm assuming, led to your role at VitalView. Yes. Okay. So tell us about that uh, that transition. It moved away from that higher level role into something a little more specific and deep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So while I was um, an MBA student, I was also working for another startup by the name of Limebike um, out in San Francisco. Uh, South Bend actually happened to be one of their pilot cities. Um, so it was a, a great opportunity to, again, learn from like kind of an early team standpoint allowed it allowed me to see them raise a lot of capital as well to figure out what that's like and when I graduated from Notre Dame what I did first was I decided to take a job working as an entrepreneur in residence with Notre Dame's venture fund Pitt Road Fund and one of the projects that they had been incubating was one by the name of Vital View and I had gotten a really a positively obsessed with the technology um, that it was based off of. It was based off of a technology out of the Tom Pratt Research Lab at Notre Dame. And I thought that this company can really not just go very far, but have huge impact, especially in the healthcare field. So after working for as an entrepreneur in resident entrepreneur in residence for about a year, uh, we were we had a few milestones that we set up for the company in terms of a product demo and an animal study. And the idea was if those two went well, then we could see, okay, not just raising a round of funding, but also line up the milestones for the, the company to eventually get to market. Tell us a little bit about the product. What does it do? Yeah. So at Vitalview, so it's a technology company. And what we've done is we've built a contactless sensing platform that uses big data analytics to unlock, I would call them next generation applications for healthcare enterprises. The first application is a heart failure patient care platform that monitors change in fluid volume for for patients in a remote setting. So this isn't going to be something that your average customer goes and buys off of Amazon or at a a store. This is a specific application for the healthcare market. That's correct. Got it. 
And you said your roles typically make an impact. That's where you, I think, get filled up. That's kind of the one of the purpose buckets. Yeah. How does this make an impact? Yeah, definitely. So I would say the way that this helps make impact is by when you look at um, heart failure patient care today, a lot of people, hospital readmissions is one of the biggest issues. And part of that reason is because of fluid buildup. And care teams simply today do not have a good way of monitoring change in fluid volume when the patient is discharged from the hospital. And speaking from experience, my brother actually has class two congestive heart failure. So I've been able to see kind of firsthand how if a tool like this were available, how it can impact overall quality of care that um, care teams are able to provide patients, but overall lead to even better outcomes. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that when we're talking about impact, not only it, does this even provide me an opportunity to have impact for my family, but it also provides me a chance to have impact for a lot of other people who battle the same you know, chronic illness. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. That, that helps out paint the picture. And now, before we kind of wrap up, what what's the next steps for Vital? You've been working on this for a few years. Med yeah. tech is notoriously difficult. Yeah. What have you learned and how are you going to apply that moving forward? Yeah, definitely. I think that when I think about my background and what's, I would say, prepared me for this opportunity, it's building a base of vendor partners that has helped us um, set up a great roadmap, if you would, both on the product side and the commercialization side. And we've also been, I would say, lucky enough to have a great investor base that wants to see this technology make it to the market, have impact. And we're blessed that they are very patient because they know that um, what's next for us is we're going to have our first actual product demo available for this fall. Mm -hmm. And then we're looking at milestones such as FDA submission and pivotal clinical studies that are going to be taking place in 2024. So we're marching right along. And one of the things that I'm always excited about is that there's never a dull moment. There's always something happening, but I would say we're going at a pretty good speed right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a long path for MedTech. You have yeah. a lot of clearances or it's regulated marketplace. You've been doing a great job as CEO. I, I appreciate your approach, your tenacity, your patience, and the way you're able to articulate this important message. Thanks, man. So thank thanks. you. It's been great having you here, Ray. Hey, thanks for having me, Nick. All right, take care. All right.